0: Hello and thank you for tuning in. This is Mark Paradis and this is The Path to the Divine Self and this is episode 5. The topic today is my spiritual sex change operation. So I'd like to begin by telling you a bit of a story that happened to me when I was about 14 and it's probably one of the stories that I still remember as being... you know, a defining <laughs> traumatic moment in my youth. I remember I was, 20, I was 14 years old and I was at the mall with a friend of mine and who was also 14 and we were walking around the mall and this woman who was giving out perfume fragrances as we walked by, she said, sir, madam, hello and my friend and i just looked at each other and i just wanted to die and my friend just looked at you know he looked at me and he started to laugh 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 hysterically and the reason why he was laughing is because he was he was tall he was 6 6 foot 2 and he had a beard and you know he had developed very early for a young man and i Hadn't I had this big puffy hair? Um, I had. I was. I was fat. I was chubby. I had these kind of man boobs as a result of being fat and chubby, and so I was clearly the person that the woman thought was a woman. That the this fragrance lady thought was a woman, and. And and it had a really kind of profound impact on me because, of course, at the time I was a young gay boy and I was going through all sorts of stuff at school. But, you know, this wasn't just the guys at school uh, calling you girly girl. This is a a grown woman at the mall and you're kind of thinking she should know better. And I remember that's the kind of thing that kind of kicked off this this thing for a long time where I was just like so upset because I kept thinking, of course, as a young man, you want to be masculine. You, you want to be seen as masculine, especially if you're gay, because you feel like you've got something to prove. And, and at the time, I would, you know, that had been challenged for me. And it, it was just really, really, really difficult. And I think, you know, it turned into something that I had carried with me for a very, very long time, a very long time until recently. And actually, I realized how, how things had changed when about a year ago, or so I was at, uh, at the airport in Paris and I was transiting I was connecting flights and I was ordering a coffee and the guy at the counter um, asked me what I wanted and he said what would you like madame and his colleague looked at him and said no 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 monsieur and so he made my coffee and he gave it to me and then uh, and then he said voila madame and the colleague repeated no no monsieur monsieur and the colleague was actually more upset than I was and I remember thinking wow You know, I was, not only was I not upset, but I was actually ecstatic. I was so excited that I wrote, I posted straight away about it on Facebook because I was so excited. And, And so the... There's a massive difference between that reaction about a year ago and the other reaction about 24 years ago. It's so, it was so different that I kind of want to explain what happened in between, like what's been happening the last few years that I got to this place of being so comfortable with the idea of per- perhaps being mistaken for a woman. So all of this process really kind of got kicked off about three years ago. About three years ago, I was at the, um, the Casa of John of God in Brazil. In case you don't know, uh, John of God is known as being you know, probably the most famous medium in the world. He heals thousands and thousands of people, thousands of people per week. Um, and you can go to his house and, and get a healing, and w- which I did. And I remembered when I was sitting in this room, a meditation room, which is called the current room. And I saw all these people that were meditating with gloves on. And I remembered asking somebody, oh, what's this about? Why are they wearing these big gloves like, uh, that are hiding their hands so much? And somebody told me... That those people were people who wanted to work as guides, as spiritual guides in the house of John of God. And in order to do that, they had been prescri- prescribed to hold crystals in either hand. And the crystals, what the crystals were going to do is going to balance out and, and their 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 energy, either the masculine or feminine energy, depending on what it was that they needed most. So perhaps some women had a very high feminine energy and it needed to be harmonized with more masculine energy so that's kind of what was uh, what was going on and so i started to go down this path of exploration of trying to understand why they seemed to think it was so essential for men and women to harmonize both energies in their beings in able to be in, in order to be able to work at the house of John of God. And so I looked into this more and, um, and I started to discover that in a lot of cultures and a lot of different practices and a lot of different philosophies, we talk about harmonizing the male and female energies as a way of expansion, growth, reaching enlightenment, ascension, the highest self, all of that lovely, delicious stuff. Um, and so, as I started to explore this, I started to realize that until now, until that point, I had been you know guided by this idea that masculine and feminine are kind of categories of individuals when when actually masculine or feminine, is is actually kind of like a set of principles or even energy frequencies. And these sets of principles or energy frequencies, they work together, they support each other. And when they do, they create this equilibrium or or this harmony that we can benefit from. So I realized that until that point, I had probably only been operating at 50% of my potential consciousness because I had been ignoring a very, very, very interesting part of my being. And um, and and so that was really kind of a big shifting point for me, kind of like the beginning of this this sex change operation, the spiritual sex change operation, um, if you could call it that. So I mean, I remembered this time that I was doing this one year tantra uh, training in Berlin with a group of gay men. We we're about thirty five of us, and you know, for a year's time, we got together every couple of months to do tantra to explore sexuality for gay men and 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 uh, spirituality. And what I realized that after spending a whole day of doing Tantra and, um, and this, this exploration work, at the end of the day, we would very often you know, get into drag, put on dresses, put on high heels, put on a wig, and, and just start prancing around and dancing around. And, and I hadn't realized it at the time, but as I started to explore this, I started to realize that what we were probably doing was – evening out the fact that during the daytime, we had been in such intense masculine energy, you know, doing tantra work, a group of men together. And at the end of the day, we needed to balance that out with some feminine, like our being needed that so, so badly. And also, what happened to me when I was in that tantra course is that we used to do a lot of these uh, this breath work uh, ceremonies, which you know kind of brought you to this place that you were kind of in a in a more of a numinous state. And in that state, I would start to see images from past life incarnations that I knew were past lives of mine. And I remember seeing one that was this young woman who uh, had been sold to, to child sex slavery in Southeast Asia. And I remembered uh, thinking, wow, this is part of me and there's potentially a part of me somewhere inside me that's unresolved feminine, it's just some sunre- some unresolved feminine energy for when that happened. And that really captivated me. And I started to realize that if we believe in reincarnation and if we believe that we've embodied different incarnations across different centuries, decades, lifetimes, then we kind of have to believe that we have embodied different genders and therefore we have these energies within us as well and of course tantra which is what i'm talking about here you know is, is also very much related to that Dao- to taoism and um you know in taoism the idea of this of the masculine and, ener- and feminine energies coming together to harmonize is a fundamental principle of of the religion of, the, of that faith and so the in taoism you know they talk about the yin and the yang and the yin is the feminine The yang is the masculine, uh, obviously. But they kind of see the duality of the yin and the yang not as opposing or conflicting forces, but they see them as two parts of a unified system, and that system needs both of these parts to survive. It, It needs both of them to come together and to support each other to be in harmony. It's kind of like an explicit duality that expresses in a unity which is kind of implicit, yeah. And I started to realize that 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 was so different from the image that I had of masculinity and femininity, because we've kind of created in our society this place where it seems like we believe that there are two opposing forces. You can be one and not the other, while well, actually they talk about the two of them working together. The Tao is also about the fact that. You know, we are the entire universe. Each and every one of us is the entire universe. And so if each and every one of us is the entire universe, then we are the masculine and the feminine because the two of them need to combine to create this universe. I love this quote by Lao Tzu, who's the, 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 the philosopher behind the Book of Tao. And he said, Knowing the male but keeping the female, one becomes a universal stream. Becoming a universal stream, one is not separated from eternal virtue. What he's basically saying is that you know to become that enlightened soul, that enlightened being, we we needed to harmonize the male and female energies, and and when we became that enlightened being, um, you know it was also that we had understood that we were at one with the universe as well. It's beautiful stuff. I mean, isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what we really want? You know, he would also say, Lao Tzu would also say. I, not, I need not leave my home to know the entire universe. Meaning that exactly that, that we are the entire universe. You could just be sitting at home and you can find the entire universe in, within you. So if you look at the universe's equilibrium, the equilibrium of universe comes from the fact that the universe is composed of contractions and expansions. And the energy of contraction is a feminine energy. And the energy of expansion is a masculine energy and you can't have just one or the other because if you just had expansion we would explode and if we just had contraction we would implode you know if you think about it like the sun is the yang energy that's that's the masculine the expansion so the sun allows the earth to survive without the sun we would all die because the sun shines its light on us so the, so you know the yang energy is life it's action it's its birth it's 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 everything that's related to life light and everything that's dynamic and powerful and uh, and without the sun we no, no crops would grow we wouldn't have any food we would just essentially die but then if we were just sun we you know if it was always sun the planet would just burn and it would explode and so what we have to counter it is the yin, which is the female energy. And the female energy, the yin, is also the pathway to the divine. It's the pathway to the, to the highest self because it's the space. It's the space in which things emerge rather than it just being, um, you know, an action, action, doing, doing, doing. It's being. Yeah, it's for example, if you took a house, you know, and you built the, a block that r- was made from walls, ceiling, and floor, that would be the yang, the male. But then if you cut out windows and the door, that would be the yin. So the hole, the spaces, uh, and the, the empty space is the yin. But without the yin, without the windows and the door. The block is useless. It's not a house. It's, it's an idea of a house, but it's not actually usable. So it goes to show you how the yin might be emptiness, but it actually is what makes things useful. It was, it's what makes things uh, functional. And so from the Tao, we see that this, that this yin-yang principle and, and, the, and the primordial aspect of it finds its way in feng shui. I mean, one of the basic principles of feng shui is the union of the yin and the yang. And, and so, for a space, you know, it's feng shui. For people who don't know, is a uh, is, is a, a Chinese art of you know d- developing our home in a way that it can support our well-being and support our personal growth. And it's been around for four thousand years. There's millions of people around the world have benefited from it. And one of its basic principles is that we need to harmonize the male and female energies within a space to be supported and to live the life in equilibrium and harmony and equanimity that we, uh, that we really want to have. And so, so uh, some examples of that in a feng shui space would be that very high ceilings, lots of natural light, white walls, light bright colors, red passionate colors, all of that is yang energy. And all of that is great if uh, you're creating a workspace where people need to be energized, an exercise room or a space where for some, someone who needs more yang energy in their life. Yin, on the other hand, is, uh, you know, colder colors, like blue, uh, green, lower ceilings, darker, less light, more, more calm, more quiet. And that's more yin. And that's more for a space like, you know, you might create a meditation room that way or a studio or uh, a bedroom would be more, um, would be more yin. And at the same time, even in feng shui and in any kind of sacred, sacred space work, which is a big part of what I do, we're always telling people that you are your home, you are your environment, your environment is a reflection of you. Well, therefore, if these energies need to harmonize in the space around you, they also need to harmonize in the space within you as well. And in Feng Shui and in the Tao and in other practices as well, we often talk about the elements that rule the earth and the universe around us. And these elements are, you know, fire, water, earth, the ether, and air. are elements that are more yin and there are elements that are more yang. So for instance, a more yang element would be fire. Yeah? And a more yin element would be water. And so we start to understand that if... Uh, for space to be harmonious, we need to harmonize the two energies. But if something's out of balance, sometimes as a remedy, we might want to use more of one element instead of another. But then that means that these elements are also contained within our being as well yeah so within our beings we have fire within our beings we have water we have air we have earth we have all of these elements are existing within us as well and these need to be harmonized within us as well you know speaking of feng shui as a practice about transformative spaces you know Feng Shui is very, very related to the ancient temples of uh, civilization, and uh, that's something that I work with very closely, and that I explore very much. And I spent a lot of time traveling around the world. You know, if, if you've been following me, you've seen a lot of uh, a lot of my videos and photos of of, of traveling in these places. And now. The goal of ancient temples, which have been created for about seventeen thousand years. When I talk about ancient temples uh, or sacred sites, I'm talking about places like the pyramids of Giza, Stonehenge, the pyramids of the Yucatan, Angkor Wat. Um, you know, these really kind of like the temples in Greece. These really kind of old sites that were sacred sites, and these sites were created as spaces for transformation. They were created. Because well, there's a, there's a previous podcast episode on this episode three, which I really recommend you looking into if this is something that you're interested in. Uh, that episode is called "How Spaces Transform Us." But essentially, what these the, the way, these temples were created as spaces for us to be transformed in. You know, when human beings wanted to access a higher level of being themselves, they would go to these temples and they would spend time there. And they would develop and they would get new abilities and they would develop themselves energetically and they would grow and then they would come back to their day-to-day life, you know, a much more wise person with uh, new abilities to live a better life and to impact the lives of people around them. And so these temples were created on on, on sacred land that had very high energetic frequency, but they were also created using principles that would amplify, magnify the energetic frequency of the land. And so one of the principles that they used to amplify and magnify the energy frequency of the land was balancing the masculine and feminine energies. And that's really really present in so many of these sacred sites across the board. For instance, if you go to Teotihuacan, an ancient Inca Inca site uh, outside of Mexico City, you'll see that there's the Pyramid of the Moon and the Pyramid of the Sun the moon representing the yin, and the sun representing the yang. If you go to uh, most of the places in the Yucatan, you'll see that as well. You'll see that there's the Pyramid of the Sun, the Pyramid of the Moon. For instance, at Uxmal in, in Mexico, in the Yucatan, it's one pyramid called the Pyramid of the Magician, but one of the sides represents the male energy, and one of the sides represents the female energy. And so we see that that union is really, really important. Um, At Glastonbury, for instance, we have the crossing of two energetic currents that are uh, masculine and feminine. So you have the Mary line and the Michael line, and they cross at Glastonbury at three different places. And so the fact that they cross there means that that space is a more harmonious space that has a better equilibrium and that when you connect to it, when you spend time there, your being develops that capability for harmony and equilibrium as well. And that's how we develop and that's how we grow using those principles. And so, for instance, a, a more recent and interesting example of this is Chartres Cathedral in France outside of Paris. Now, Chartres Cathedral is um, is a, a, you know a medieval church uh, that was built in the 12th century... But essentially, it still carries those principles that were still built by those uh, in those other sacred sites thousands of years before it, and that really means something. That means that these principles are uh, are actually really uh, deeply anchored. In our beingness, so deeply anchored in the wisdom of humanity and uh, and of the universe, that they they get downloaded by people in so many different times and places that are completely disconnected from each other. So, Chart Cathedral uh, has two towers at the front of the at the front of the church, and one of the towers is uh, a sun tower, and one of the other towers is the moon tower. And the sun tower is slightly higher, and the moon tower is slightly lower. And they did that because they were replicating. You know the the, the principles of the, the the Celtic sites that that were existing before the Chartres Cathedral that had been destroyed and replaced with the cathedral, and another interesting fact. I also have a video about Chartres Cathedral on my YouTube. If you want to look it up, so you'll see at Chartres Cathedral that they, you know, the entrances of the church are essentially representing the woman's genitalia, female genitalia. And the idea of that is that they believed that when you entered the female genitalia, you, entering the female genitalia was a, a pathway to the divine, a pathway to the higher self. And, uh, and so that was really, really fascinating. The Dakara tribe, it's an indigenous tribe in East Africa. They also believed that, well, they believed that the supernatural was part of everyday life, but they also believed that it was accessed by entering in the female genitalia during sexual intercourse. So for instance, rather than sex being about doing, about the man being active and penetrating, it was about receiving. And so the receptive energy of the feminine, both in this Tagara indigenous tribe in East Africa and at Chat Cathedral, is about becoming psychic, about the psychic gateway to the divine realm. And another example of that is uh, the Delphi, Delphi in Greece. This is one of my favorite places. And I also have videos and articles about that place on my website. It was told that Delphi was originally the home of Gaia. And Gaia obviously was a female um, archetype, and she represented Mother Earth. And so it was known to be the center of the Earth until Apollo took it over, and uh, and it turned into um, a man's... Um, a very ma- male energy uh, space, but in the meantime, it always retained a certain kind of feminine energy. And in that place, it was the place where women would go and do ceremonies, and they would access oracle psychic powers. And for a long time, Delphi was the oracle of the Mediterranean. It would be the place where Pythagoras would go and ask questions. It would be the place where various people from around the world, politicians and whoever, would go there and ask uh, specific questions about uh, you know the wars that they were that they were going to conduct. And, and the way they were managing and leading their countries. So it's fascinating stuff. You know? And also, yeah, so another example of, 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 of you know, what I was talking about at Glastonbury, where these lines meet is the line of Apollo and the line of Athena. So again, two energy lines, one of them masculine and one of them feminine, that meet at a specific point and uh, create a power spot, which will become a sacred site once we've created a structure on it. And so a feminine line, like the line of Mary or Athena, will be more nourishing. It'll be more about relaxing. It'll be more about receiving, about being open. It'll be about death. While a masculine line will be about life, active, action, creation but also destruction and that's the interesting thing it's like if you look at fire which is very yang masculine energy it is about destruction but in that destruction you know when a fire burns a tree it turns into ashes and those ashes uh, nourish the earth and that earth being nourished is an act of creation it's an act of birth as well and um, and then you know the water element will be about nurturing will be about communication about wisdom because water carries wisdom if you look at the Masaru Emoto work, you know, water carries intelligence and it carries codes of wisdom. And so that's how these, uh, these kind of work together. And so speaking of these energy lines, you know, another interesting thing that I explored when I was working on land energy, um, I realized that this concept of masculine and feminine energy were, were very much aligned there as well. I was working with the shaman that um, was my teacher for a very long time, Kenneth Ray Stubbs, was based in Arizona. And we created together the Earth Energy Project, which was about traveling the world and holding ceremonies in different places just to kind of sup- help support the energetic development of the Earth in certain areas. And so the same way that we can affect the Earth energetically with certain actions that we do that are damaging, we can also affect the Earth's energy with actions that we do that are supportive, like a ceremony. And so what we found when we were tuning into the Earth is that there were places where the energy was too high because of an imbalance, and that would be more yang. And then in those places, there would be a lot more fires, or there would be deserts. Uh, And then in other places where the energy would be uh, very low, and then in those places, there would be more rain, or it would be colder. And so the work was to try to support um, a harmonizing of that. And So the Earth's energetic system, the Earth's energetic grid system is composed of energetic lines and some of these lines are masculine and some of these lines are feminine. And for the Earth to be in harmony, these lines need to support each other and they need to coexist together. When the two unite, we find oneness. And I always found, the reason why we called this project the Earth Oneness Ceremonies is because every time I would go do a ceremony at one of these sites, I would feel a sense of oneness that I had never felt so strongly before. I felt it so strongly that I said, this is what we need to call this project, the Earth Oneness Ceremonies, because it is so, I feel oneness every single time. And so when we step step further away, now we look at our planetary system, our solar system, And we see that some planets have feminine energies and some planets have masculine energies. So for instance, Venus and the Moon are feminine and uh, Saturn, Jupiter and the Sun are masculine. And so... We see that, like I said before, that the sun is that yang energy that creates that aliveness on the earth that allows everything to grow. And the the, the female planets, you know, like Venus, is really about attraction. It's about letting things be, letting things arrive. And it's also about intuition, which is really important for all of us. And so I remember when I began to become a shaman with Kenneth Ray Stubbs, and he did an energetic reading on my gender, and he said, oh, you know, energetically, you're an androgynous male. And I said, perfect, that sounds great to me, because at that point, I had already been studying all this and realizing that that was what I wanted. I really wanted to harmonize um, the masculine and feminine energies in my being. So how do we apply this to our day-to-day lives? How do we begin to make that shift if we realize that this is something that resonates with us and we want to start to balance both energies in our being? Well, the first thing I think we need to look at is the fact that we live in a world that is overly yang. For most of recorded history, men have ruled the world and the masculine energy has ruled the world. And there is a sense that, you know, the, our world is, is, is run by this idea of doing, of creating, of producing, of working harder, working more. And that's very much a very masculine yang thing. So the first thing that we need to do is notice that, be aware of that, and also begin to usher in more yin energy, more feminine into our lives. And start to recognize that, you know, space, empty space is creative, that silence produces sound. You know, sound comes from silence. That being comes from non-being. That space is the awareness of the entire universe. That's what we, start to, we need to start to think about. And so, if you look at the masculine, you know, it's action, it's life, it's activity, it's dynamism, it's creation, but it's also destruction, it's also division, it's also control. You know, we're in a time right now where we're seeing a lot of division going on in the world and a lot of uh, destruction going on in the world. And so so, we just need to be aware of that and what our role is in that and be more conscious of that. So... When we are in, uh, in an over-masculine energy, it can lead us to exhaustion. It can lead us to anxiety, depression, um, you know, uh, this is a very kind of uncaring uh, way of living. And also, you know, like we saw in the Tao, being overly masculine goes against the order of the universe. It's about achieving power versus achieving balance. Bringing in the feminine would be about bringing in emotional maturity, uh bringing in um the, the intuition and um, empathy uh the numinous effects that allow us to connect to intuition you know i really believe that that part of the reason why i'm so drawn to this is because i am a gay man and i think that gay men were you know, part of the role of gay men and gay women on this planet is to um bring forth the fact that, that masculine and feminine energies can exist, can coexist within one being, and that it actually works and that it's actually okay. Because I think that what gay men have brought to the male gender is this idea that, of compassion and of kindness, and of softness, that that was, I think, lacking uh, before. And I I mean, I say this, and of course, we have had gay men for thousands and thousands of years, but only recently have we started to accept, fully accept in the past 50, 60 years, um, and tolerate gay men as part of the society in modern history. And so it's interesting, I really think that that's, that's been a part of this massive shift. And I think that that's something that, you know and I'm not saying that that means that gay men are more evolved. What I'm saying is that the the gay movement is an invitation to recognize that we, have the ability to balance these energies in our being. It doesn't mean gay men are more evolved because a lot of gay men are resisting their femininity like I was and are very much in the masculine as a way of overcompensating. But also a lot of women are very much in the masculine because they're growing up in a masculine world and they they want to, they're taught that they need to do that to overcompensate so that they can uh, survive in a man's world so that they can make money and so they, they could be um, you know, equal. And I don't blame them because that's, what we're putting them through, that's what we're, we're, we're kind of saying, you know, if you're going to be out of the race if you don't perform like this, yeah? But so if you look at the feminine side, you know, fem, feminine, again, is about death, rest, intuition, compassion, uh, the entryway to the divine. So we need to be bringing that in more. We need to be cultivating it, cultivating it in more. And so the way we do that, again, like I said before, is about spaciousness. You know, awareness as well, it, it, it takes a, us to be conscious of our words, uh, conscious of how we're reacting to masculine and feminine, uh, feminine energies around us as well. And are we doing so in a way that's bringing things into balance or are we adding to the fight? Are we adding to the destruction when there's, this, when there's destruction? And perhaps there are some people who believe that they're overly yin and overly feminine, and that would be rare in our society today, but that is possible. And I know that after being very yang for a very long time, I did go very, very yin. And that sometimes I felt very flat, very low energy, very depressed for feeling like I wish I had more activity in my life. I wish I had... So, so the two really need to be balanced. A, a, a way to really start to develop this balance is to look... Towards the feminine, look to emptiness for creation, to allow rather than do, to slow down, to meditate, make space for meditation in your life, open up some, some extra space for yourself, connect with nature, eating organic foods, reducing the toxins around us, reducing our exposure to unnecessary electromagnetic fields, spend more time in silence, quiet, doing yoga, drinking tea instead of coffee. But also, a really important step is acknowledging the masculine, even the unevolved masculine, finding compassion for it, finding com- compassion for the destruction, the anger, the rage. You know, we look at people like Donald Trump, ISIS, Vladimir Putin, and we look at these people and, and you know, what they're doing is horrible in a lot of ways. But I think a, an essential step to this practice is to find compassion for it because that's what the feminine is about. It's about, it's about finding compassion for it. And it doesn't mean that we need to accept it. And be okay with it. But it's about understanding, um, radiating compassion and love to it. And understanding where it comes from. And a great way to do that is to look within ourselves. And find the areas in our lives where we have that anger. Where we have that rage. Where we've, and, and, and where we are out of alignment in that way. Where we feel destruction. And find compassion for that area within ourselves. And as we do that work on ourselves, it slowly begins to shift everything around us as well. That's kind of the process that I'm in at the moment because I've been exploring anger and rage a lot lately. I've had a lot of clients coming to me with situations of abuse and anger and rage and I've been noticing anger and rage within myself as well and I've had to be compassionate with it and say, okay, this is part of the human experience, I understand. We are human beings and I honestly wouldn't believe someone who says to me, I never feel anger, I never feel rage Because I think that with everything that's happening in the world right now, it would be normal to feel that. And so it's about allowing ourselves that, to be with that, and understanding that anchor is is part of the survival instinct of the human being. You know, for, for, for thousands of years, we had to fight for food. We had to, you know, we had to kill each other to eat and to survive. And so that anger and that rage is embedded in us somehow. And so when we often think about it, when we do see situations of anger, it's very often about survival. You know, I'm thinking about all those Sally Field movies where she's like running around trying to save her daughter. And th- that anger and that rage comes from a need for survival. You know, rea- uh, noticing that that fire that's burning the wood turns into ashes that fertilis- uh, fertilizes the ground, well, that's exactly what's happening with Donald Trump. I mean, he's a fire that's burning wood, and there's a lot of destruction happening, and it's not pretty to look at, and it doesn't feel good, and it is damaging, but it's also creating ashes which are nourishing the future. There are movements that are being created. People are stepping up. People are voting more than before. You know, people are being elected to Congress who are immigrants, who, more women than before, and all of that. And all of this is happening because of that destruction. And I dare say that that wouldn't have happened had it been Hillary in office. And so we have to just take a moment to although we don't like it to really recognize the good side of that masculine energy and of that of that destruction and uh, and have compassion for it and that's how we really start to be, to bring to bring it into balance. And like I said earlier, you know, we have the elements of fire and our water which are the the yang and the yin And these elements exist within us, too. And a great way to tune into that is also through breathing. You know, those people who, those of us who do yoga, you know, will know, or, or Pilates will know of the fire breath. And the fire breath is very much about activating the fire energy within the body. You know, like a... It's just a kind of a very quick... you feel your body starting to shift as you do it you know and then for instance for a uh for a water breath you might be thinking of something that's more like a s- like a kind of a hissing like a snake you know and that's kind of like uh if you think about Gaia's daughter who was the python that was guarding the temple of Delphi you know she was the python and you kind of think of that snake-like sound like a, But if you do these breaths and you notice how they feel in your body, you start to realize that these different energies start to get awakened in your body and they can start to become alive and find their way into supporting each other. Water carries wisdom. It's about communication. It's about diving inwards. It's about exploring ourselves, bringing awareness and soothing calm to our lives and the lives of others around us. And There's nothing more important than that. But its work is also to put out the fires. And so that's that's how I see us all bringing these energies forth into our beings and out into the world to bring more harmony to our lives and to the lives of others as well. So... Following this, um, as usual, we'll have our weekly guided practice, which will be an embodiment energy work and breath practice that will allow to really kind of support this knowledge and support what was shared in this podcast episode, but more at a body and cellular uh, level. Um, And also, you can check out my website for more updates. Uh, You know, this podcast happens weekly, so check it out. Next week's podcast will be about energy space clearing, so about clearing the energy of our spaces. Check out the guided practice, which is available now. And uh, also, check out my website for more information, for more articles, videos, and for one-to-one sessions if you want to take this practice further. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoyed this and do leave me any comments or questions or email me at mark at markparadis.com.